0: Well, as you are turning there in your Bibles to Hebrews 11, I'd like us to consider for a moment what it's like to take a test, what it's like to take a test. Maybe some of you have been taking tests recently. Maybe some of you, it's been years since you took a test. Uh, But when you are in school, tests are always a present reality, right? Because you've either just taken a test, uh, you are currently taking a test. Or you have a test coming up, right? The final exam maybe is coming. And when I was in school, uh, some classes would have what's called a pre-test. All right, and this was a test right at the start of a class before anything has been taught, and these were always really the frustrating tests to take, uh, because it seemed like these these tests were put into place to just make you feel like an idiot, right? To just make you feel like you didn't know anything. I mean, you come into a class, and the teacher's like, hey, I know I haven't taught you anything yet, but here's a test just to show you that I am here, and you are here, and you have a a lot to learn from me, right? That's what, that's what those tests felt like, the pre all right? You've got a lot to learn. It, it just exposes the lack of knowledge that you have on a certain subject and shows you that you have a long ways to go. Those were always frustrating tests. <laughs> but the hope was that after the pretest, and after you did really badly, maybe on that pre-test, uh, you were a bit humbled, Okay? And you were then motivated to pay attention to what your teacher was going to provide to you that entire semester because you knew that then more tests were coming and then ultimately the final exam, the post test. Church, did you know that God tests us as well? He does. He does. Now, I know many of you, including myself, we do not like the fact that he tests us. Uh, We would uh, just rather have uh, a pass for showing up, right? Some of you had classes like that, just attendance uh, marked, you know, you were good to go. But that is not what the life of a Christian looks like. No, the life of a Christian is is one that is to be a life that is lived by faith. And this morning, we must know and come to understand and really appreciate that it is a faith that is tested. It is a faith that is tested. And at times, that can be painful. Tests are sometimes painful. But our good God has his reasons for testing our faith. And his reasons are more glorious than we could imagine. God doesn't do anything without a purpose behind it, right? He has a good, wise, and glorious purpose in testing our faith. And that is what we will see this morning. And so let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask him for his help that we can see this. Father God, you are glorious. You are magnificent. You are holy, like we just sang. And God, you are wise, and we are in awe of you this morning, that you are a God that has revealed himself to us through your creation and through your word. And so, Father, I ask that you would reveal more of yourself to us today, right now, through your word. Father, we want to live by faith. We want to trust and obey, but we need your help with our unbelief. Lord, I ask for those whose faith is being tested right now. That your word would be a sweet refreshment to their soul. That it would sustain them in order that their faith would be a faith that perseveres. Speak, O oh Lord, your sons and daughters. We are listening and we, are, we come expectantly to what you would have for us today. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, our great high priest, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, here we go, church. Hebrews 11, verse 17. Hebrews 11, verse 17. God's word says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall, all, uh, shall your offspring be named. Now, we talked last week about how Abraham's faith had been tested throughout his life, and he had taken the step of faith that when he was called to to leave his homeland and to leave his family and to leave all the comfortable and familiar, he he answered that call. He obediently took took a step in faith. And yet we also saw that Sarah and Abraham, when their faith was tested, did not always respond well. Uh, And we had a fun moment last week where I got to clarify to you that, yes, I've had some missteps following Christ, but just not in the exact same way as Abraham, right? And maybe that's all you remember from last week's sermon. Hopefully not, but I know that's the reality of it, all right? But now here it is. Here is the greatest test for Abraham, all right? God tests him, and he tells him that this son Isaac, who him and Sarah had been longing for, who had been hoping for, praying for, looking for, this Isaac who had brought them so much hope and joy and and, and life to their lives, like the one who God said that through whom all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. God tells him to go and offer him up as a sacrifice. And what do we see Abraham do? We find the story in Genesis 22. You can follow on the screen. Genesis 22, verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now, some say the fact that he rose early in the morning and got to this shows his immediate obedience to the Lord. Uh, Others say he was just trying to get up before Sarah woke up because we know Mama Bear would not let him take Isaac on this trip. Uh, I'll let you guys decide what you think is happening here. But nonetheless, we do see that he does not delay right? So next morning, he wakes up. We don't see him negotiate. We don't see him stall. No, he's been through some tests before. He has learned. His faith has grown. And although this did not make sense to him, he grabs Isaac and he goes. And for three days, they travel. I mean, can you imagine how painful those three days were? Those had to be three days of just complete turmoil for any father, right? I mean, Abraham is obeying, right? Don't get me wrong. Abraham is obeying, but there's likely some wrestling that's going on. You see, here's the problem for Abraham, and here's the problem for you and for me. There are times when the promises of God and the commands of God do not seem to be lining up, and things don't quite make sense to us. And maybe we just need to start by acknowledging like the first problem with this passage. I think the first thing we have to acknowledge is that God says and does things and we see things in the Bible that make us really uncomfortable. And that's okay to acknowledge that. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I'm not going to push really quickly through it to just get to the good news about Jesus. I mean, God right here tells a man to kill his son that does not seem right that that doesn't seem to make sense this seems to contradict what we know to be true about God I mean God how, how could you ask Abraham to sacrifice his son that doesn't make any sense and church, never, never feel like you have to avoid some of these hard things that we find in the Bible. We don't have to pretend like this isn't what it is. Because you see, there are times when God's word seems to be contradicting what is playing out in the world and what we know to be true of him. And things don't quite make sense to us. And that's okay. Okay. There are times when God does something or allows something to happen and we feel like, God, how, how could you? How could you? There are times in life when the promises of God do not feel like they are coming true and all that we hope for in Christ seems to be lost. Like when Jesus tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us and then we get diagnosed with cancer or a loved one passes away. Or when he tells us that we've been united to Christ and we've been adopted into the family of God and we've we've got the communion of the saints, and yet we feel lonelier and lonelier by the day. You see, church, there are times when God puts us in seasons and situations that don't make sense to us. Anyone in here been in a season or situation that doesn't make sense to you? Let's see a show of hands. Anyone been there? Yeah, you, you thought you were all alone. You're not alone. Now here's the good news. Here's the good news. God uses those seasons or situations not to torture us. I know it maybe seems that way at times, but He uses those situations or situa- uh, seasons or situations that don't make sense, not to torture us, but to teach us more about Himself. And so if you're taking notes, write, write this down. God will test our faith in order to teach us more about himself. God will test our faith in order to teach us more about himself. And he oftentimes tests our faith by putting us in seasons or situations that don't make sense to us in order to reveal to us something more about himself. God's going to reveal something to us about himself through the testing of Abraham that is awesome, that is amazing, that for generations the people of God have just been in awe of and has brought life to. So I'm not going to apologize for this testing, this, this, this thing here, but, but I am going to say, hey, he, he's about to reveal something pretty amazing about himself through this. And so what's the answer for us to life's questions when God says or does something that doesn't fit into our safe little neat understanding of him? The answer is faith. Is faith. Guys, I'm giving you the answers to the upcoming test, all right? The answer is, is faith, all right? But it's not a blind faith. It's not a faith without reason. Look back at Hebrews 11, verse 19. This is not a blind faith at all. Hebrews 11, verse 19 says, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So praise God, this does not make sense to Abraham. God seems to be contradicting himself and what we know to be true about him. I mean, if Isaac is killed, all would seem to be lost for Abraham and for the nations of the world. I mean, there were some big promises coming through, through Isaac. And yet Abraham had faith that God could perform a resurrection. I imagine the disciples of Jesus had a similar feeling as Abraham did for those three days when they thought all was lost after Jesus was crucified. I mean, for three days, I'm sure things did not make sense. The kingdom that Jesus said was here did not look like it was here. What Jesus promised and how everything in the world was playing out did not seem to line up. And you see, church, the testing of our faith, it is painful. It is at times confusing. There is turmoil. Things don't always make sense to us in the moment. But look what God revealed about himself through this testing. Abraham and Isaac, they get to Mount Moriah, which is the same place the Temple Mount would later one day be constructed, and Mount Golgotha close by. And Abraham binds up Isaac. Isaac, we don't know how old he is at this point, but we know he's probably fairly young. And yet at the same time, he, he's he's willing to go along with this. Abraham's a really old guy, so surely Isaac could have uh, outrun him or outpowered him. So to some degree, Isaac is uh, is willingly going along with this. And Abraham is ready to obey God. He's ready to sacrifice. And in the last moment, God says, Abraham, Abraham. Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. And then Genesis 22, verse 13. It says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. You see, through the testing of faith, we learn and experience firsthand something about God that we did not know before. Abraham, in this instance, learned another name of God, and it is the Hebrew name Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. One thing we learn about God through testing is that the Lord will provide. This, this name Jehovah Jireh in the original language, it, it, it's a name that literally means that the Lord sees. The Lord sees. Many of us, we struggle in life because we, we, we think no one sees what we're going through. No one sees the needs that we have. No one sees the hurt that we have. No one sees what was done to us behind closed doors. No one sees the turmoil we have in our heart and our mind. And here in the testing of, of Abraham's faith, God reveals himself to us. He reveals himself to Abraham. He reveals to, to himself to all those who would follow the, the faith of Abraham. And he says, the Lord sees Jehovah Jireh. But it, it gets even better than that. It gets even better than just that the Lord sees. It's a name that, yes, means the Lord sees, but it also means the Lord will see to it. Or maybe better put, the Lord will provide. Church, the Lord sees, and the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. God sees our needs even before they arise. And he will see to those needs. He will make provisions for them, church. Where there is a need for God's people, there is already a ram caught in the thicket that the Lord has provided if we would only look to him by faith. Do you believe that? Have you experienced that? Have you had times where your faith was tested, where you've been in those situations or seasons that don't make sense to you, and yet at the other side of it, you've seen Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord has provided, the Lord saw, and the Lord saw to it? Or do we live pridefully? Do we live as if we were the ultimate providers for ourselves and our families? Church, it is the Lord who has provided everything we need for life and salvation. The Lord is our provider, and he sees our needs. How foolish it is to think that we can really provide for ourselves. How foolish it is when we live disconnected from Jesus or disconnected from his body, the church, thinking that we can meet our own needs. We can't even see all of our own needs, let alone meet them. But church, the Lord is our provider. He sees your needs. And he's got a ram ready for you in the thicket if you would look to him by faith. You see, this testing of Abraham's faith in one sense, is a very very unique testing of faith. And yet in another way, in a more figurative way, it's a very common testing of faith. And here's, here's what I mean by that, all right? It is unique in that God specifically chose Abraham to offer up Isaac at this unique place, at this unique moment in history, to foreshadow and to point to when God the Father would offer up a willing son to provide the payment that we in our sin needed to pay. Jehovah Jireh saw beforehand that your sin was going to need to be dealt with and he sent his son to be offered up in your place before you even stepped foot on this earth. He saw the need we had in our sin before we even walked and lived out our days, and he provided. But listen, church, this, this is a specific and unique command given to Abraham. It is not the normal way that God tests our faith, because let's just, let's just talk real life for a second. Uh, there, there are demons who prey on the mentally ill and those addicted to drugs— that will tell them to kill their own children. And that is not of the Lord. That is of the enemy. That is evil. That is wicked. And so if you know of anyone or you yourself are hearing voices to to harm another person, listen, that that is not of God. That is of the enemy. And you need to get help from your pastors and from medical personnel. All right? This was a very unique and specific situation. And yet in a more figurative way, all right, this is also a common situation, because there are many of us that have people, places, and things that we like to hold on to, and we want to treasure more than we treasure Christ, and God calls us to offer them up to him, and we don't want to let go. You see, God's not testing Abraham's faith because he desires Isaac's physical life to be ended. No, God did not want Isaac's life. He wanted Abraham's heart, all right? And our God, who is the same yesterday, today, and today, uh, yesterday, today, and forever, excuse me, he wants our hearts as well. And so when you and I have a hard time giving up things that we value more than God, It's because we are forgetting that God is a God who provides all we need for life and salvation. He is Jehovah Jireh. And church, if God gave you Christ, who are you not to offer up your Isaacs? Those things that you treasure and that you love more than him. Church, what is it this morning that you need to offer up to God in prayer? What is something that you think there is no way you could give up if God called you to offer it up to Him? And if the Lord lays something on your heart this morning, I'd encourage you to go to Him in prayer. At the end of our service, grab another brother or sister, pray about it, and offer it up to God together in prayer. What is it that you are treasuring more than Christ this morning? that you'd be unwilling or feel really difficult to give up if God called you to give it up. And for those of you who right now are in a season or a situation that doesn't make sense, may you know and trust that God is not trying to torture you. He's trying to teach you more about himself. He's giving you an opportunity to experience firsthand that his provisions are always greater than our problems. You might need to write that on a note card, take it in your Bible or pocket with you this week, that God's provisions are always greater than our problems. But here's here's a question for us, all right, as we think about God testing our faith. I mean, when do these times of testing usually come in our lives? You know, at least a professor will have, you know, the, the, uh, niceness of giving us a syllabus. So we kind of know when these tests are upcoming. Uh, when do these times of testing typically come? And you see, there is, there, there is a typical pattern that God has. Now, now don't get me wrong. There are times where there are some pop quizzes in life, things that we were not expecting that come our way, that, that, that test our faith. But oftentimes God works in a typical pattern in regards to when. He tests our faith. So look back with me at Hebrews 11, verse 20, and we'll see this play out. Hebrews 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites. And gave directions concerning his bones. You see, times of testing often come in seasons of transition. Times of testing often come in seasons of transition. It is no accident that the writer of Hebrews does not go into all the detail about the lives of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. But instead, he refers to their faith at the end of their lives as they were transitioning the promises of God and their faith to the next generation. We see Isaac, by faith, invoke future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Even though if you guys know that story, I mean, it is a really messy story. Go read Genesis 27 this week and you're going to see a complex weaving of God's sovereignty and wisdom along with Isaac's wrong favoritism and love of meat. And then you've got mixed in like Jacob and Rebecca's deception and lies. And it's all, you know, mangled and messed and weaved together. Nevertheless, when the truth comes out that Isaac has been deceived and he's given the blessing to Jacob, what does he do? He remembers that that was God's will all along. And he surrenders maybe his favoritism towards Esau, and he by faith invokes these future blessings on his sons in the way that God had told him years before that that was how it was going to play out. In Genesis 48, we see Jacob, by faith, bless the sons of Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim. Even though Joseph wanted the older to get the double blessing, uh, uh, Jacob, you know, by faith, stands in front of Joseph, one of the most powerful men of Egypt at that time, and, and Jacob crosses his arms, and he gives the double blessing to the younger In Genesis 50, we see Joseph, who could have easily fallen in love with Egypt. No, he instead, by faith, wanted his bones not to be kept in Egypt, but he knew and trusted that the people of God would eventually return to the land that God had promised them, and he wanted his bones to go with them. You see, it's the faith of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph in Hebrews 11 in a certain season of their life, as they approach death, that our author is emphasizing here. They were coming to an end of living in this world, and they were passing their faith and the promises of God onto their kids and grandkids. And truly, church, this is when we need our faith to be the strongest. Because unless the Lord returns this will be the final test for all of us. This will be the final test of faith for all of us. I know we live most of our lives with the denial that that end goal is coming, right? We we, we deny that that will be the final exam, the final test of faith. But church, will it be said of us that we lived by faith all the way to the end and we died in the faith? For this is truly the faith that perseveres, This is true faith, faith that perseveres to the end. Matthew Henry, one of the Puritans, once wrote this. We'll have it up on the screen. Kind of a lengthy quote, but I think it's really good. He writes, Though the grace of faith is of universal use throughout our whole lives, yet it is especially so when we come to die. Faith has its great work to do at the last, to help believers to finish well, to die to the Lord so as to honor him by patience, hope, and joy, so as to leave a witness behind them of the truth of God's word and the excellency of his ways for the conviction and establishment of all that attend them in their dying moments. What a witness and encouragement it is to sit at a brother or sister's funeral who has lived by faith all the way till the end, all the way till the final exam. Spurgeon used to say, if you want to prepare to die well in the faith, start by dying to yourself every day by faith. And then you'll be ready for that final test of faith. But notice also that these men, what they did by faith as they neared their, their death, they prayed blessings over the next generation. That they would know, the next generation would know and trust the promises of God as well. And, church, listen, we do not need to wait for our deathbeds to start doing this. We must be praying for our kids and grandkids that they too would know the Lord, that they would love the Lord that they would experience firsthand that his provisions are always greater than our problems, and that they would receive the promised offspring of Abraham, Jesus Christ, through whom all the families of the earth will be blessed. Church, this is not the only thing we do for our kids, but this should be the primary thing we do. We must pray. We must pray. The testing of our faith oftentimes happens in seasons of transition. But church, there are more transitions that happen in life than just our deaths. Our faith is tested in any transition of life. When we buy a house, when we start having kids, when we get a new job, when we have to change churches, when we move to a new place, when a loved one passes away. Any transition that happens in life oftentimes is when God will test our faith. But he always has a purpose. It's never pointless. We've already learned that he tests our faith in order to teach us more about himself, right? In order for us to experience firsthand that his provisions are greater than our problems. But he also tests our faith. And here it is. Are you guys ready for this? He also tests our faith to expose our hearts. Look at this verse on the screen, Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. It says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Some of you feel like you've been in a wilderness for 40 years. Join the club, all right? He led you these 40 years in the wilderness that He might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Church, there is something seriously wrong with the condition of the human heart. There is pride and sin in our hearts that has to be dealt with. And therefore, God graciously tests us in order to humble us and to expose what is in our hearts. And church, listen, you you have to know this. You have to know this so that you do not abandon ship when trials and hardships come, all right? You have to know this so that you will persevere when the treatment of your condition gets painful. You see, it's really, it's impossible at the hospital to get a patient to endure chemo and radiation if they aren't really convinced that cancer is a serious condition. It's really difficult. It's really difficult to get someone to endure the painful parts of treatment if they don't really believe that the cancer is going to kill them. And in the same way, that's the state of many people who abandon the faith, or who leave the church, who can't understand why God would test them or allow them to go through hardships and pain in this life. And so listen, if it doesn't sit right with you that God's testing would be so painful at times, it is likely you don't understand how serious the condition of sin really is. Church, it is bad. And it will take nothing less than the Son of God dying for you and the Spirit of God living inside of you and a lifetime of your faith being tested in order to remedy the condition of your heart. There's not a a lesser treatment option that will be effective. Jesus had to die for you The Spirit has to reside in you, and God has to be faithful to test you. But take heart, church. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is gracious, and he has provided all we need for life and salvation, and he provides all we need even in times of testing. When I graduated from grad school from Butler and started working full-time in the ER, I faced a big season of transition where my faith was tested. Uh, We had just had Jackson, my firstborn, and so in a matter of a month, uh, I went from being a student to now working full-time in a fairly stressful job Uh, And I went from, you know, being a, a young married couple with no kids to now all of a sudden being a father, which was amazing. But I was quickly overwhelmed by the sense of responsibility and the sense of I needed to provide not only for my family and my wife and my son, but also I needed to be a provider in the, in, the, in the hospital world and in the medical environment that was fairly stressful. And I was overwhelmed. I felt like I was failing in both categories of life. I felt like I wasn't doing anything well. And I really just felt like I couldn't, hand, I, I couldn't handle it. It was like I got hit by a 2 by Like life just hit me with a two-by-four upside the head. And you see, up until that point, my life, I mean, if I'll be honest, was, fairly, was a fairly easy, comfortable life. I had, in my own strength, done fairly well with things. School kind of came naturally to me, so that was just, you know, I could kind of do that in my own strength. I had obviously done well getting a wife who loved Jesus and who could work to put me through school, right? Obviously done well through that. Everything was going well, and then boom, big life transitions, And all of a sudden it was like, man, I can't handle this. And all of a sudden I felt the weight that that I, I was supposed to be the provider now. And I could not handle it. And there were times I was so overwhelmed. I mean, I was just I just laid on the floor of our closet for hours, just crying. Like I can't do this. Feeling like I was failing, my family, feeling like I was failing at my job and feeling like, God, I cannot, I can't do this. And what God did in that season was that he graciously was exposing more of my heart to me. You see, God was exposing some of the pride and the sin that still remains in my heart. He revealed in that season some of my selfishness, He exposed my prayerlessness because why would I pray very much? I could handle life pretty well. He revealed my self-sufficiency and my self-righteousness. And he had to test me in order to humble me. In order for me to start praying like I had never prayed before. And God had to use that time to wake me up and show me and for me to be able to experience firsthand that yes, at times he would use my hard work to provide for my family and the people around me, but he is the only Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is our provider. Man, that, that is not ultimately on you. We, we are called to work hard, all right? So I'm not giving anyone excuse to be lazy. We are called to work hard, work hard for six days and rest. That is the design that God has given us. And so for those of us who are able to do that, we should do that. But who are we to think that we are the ultimate providers in our life? We can't even see all our needs. We, we, we can't even see all the ways that we need to provide. But Jehovah Jireh sees it, God sees it, and He will see to it. It is the Lord who is the ultimate provider for everything we need in life and salvation, it's not us. And so especially some of the young men, we got to be humbled at times to see that he is our ultimate provider. And now I can look back on that testing and I can say, praise God for what he exposed in my heart and what he taught me about himself. Praise God that I got to start to experience firsthand that God's provisions are greater than our problems. And church, listen to this. When God exposes what what is in our hearts, it's not all bad. If we have true faith, when God exposes what is in our hearts, it's not all bad. You, You see, the word translated test or tried, in the original language, it literally means to prove by trial. When God is testing us, he is proving something by trial, okay? He's not tempting us, all right? God does not tempt. He has no intention for us to fall into sin, right? He does not tempt us, but he does test us to prove something by trial. And he's not proving something to himself. God does not need anyone to testify to what is in the heart of man. He knows what is in the heart of men and women. He knows what is in your heart. He's not proving something to himself. He is proving something to you when he tests you. You see, we can look back at times that our faith was tested, and even though most likely, if you're like me, you did not handle the test perfectly, we can still look back and see proof by trial of God's grace in our lives and how he was working for his glory and our good. When God tests us, he's proving something to us by trial. He's showing our true faith, our faith that will persevere. And so therefore, this testing that exposes our hearts, it proves to us, it encourages us that we have a persevering faith that will endure to the end. That's why God's testing can produce endurance and steadfastness. It's encouraging to us as it's showing us this true faith that God has given us. Church, Jehovah Jireh will provide for us what we need in life and in salvation and in times of testing. He sees and he will see to it. And as we conclude the sermon this morning, I want to give you this beautiful illustration from Psalm 66, verse 10. So we'll leave this verse up uh, for the rest of the sermon time. Psalm 66, verse 10. It says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. Do you guys know how silver is tried? You see, church, I think this gives us a beautiful image of what it means to be tested by God because he works on us like a refiner works with silver. It's been said he's not an arsonist. He is a refiner, though. When you see the flames, he's not an arsonist. That's what, it's what you're going to believe at first. He's a refiner. A story's been told that there once was a young man who wandered into a shop of a silversmith who was sitting in front of a fire, refining silver from raw materials. And the young man asked the refiner, why do you heat the metal? And the refiner answered, in order to make precious silver, I have to remove all the impurities that make it worth less than it really is. Church, what, what impurities, what pride or what sin remains in your heart that God might want to refine this morning? The young man asked the refiner, why do you sit so close while you work? The refiner answered, I have to watch the fire closely. Too little heat and the impurities will not be removed. Too much heat and the precious metal will be destroyed. Church, have you struggled to trust that God really knows what he's doing? Have you struggled to to trust that God knows how much heat you can take in your life? Are you really convinced that he's not torturing you, but instead he's teaching you and his timing is always perfect? The young man then finally asks, Well, how do you know when the silver is at the right temperature? Essentially, he's asking, How do you know when to take the silver out of the fire? When are you done? And do you guys know this? Do you guys know when silver's done? I love this. The refiner smiles and he answers, I know the purifying is complete when I can see my reflection in the silver. Church, Jehovah Jireh, yes, at times, will test us. Not to torture us, but to teach us. For us to experience firsthand that his provisions are always greater than our problems. To expose what's in our hearts in order to purify us, in order to make us more like his image, in order to make us more like Jesus. And we must know and recognize that the testing of our faith, this is a very common and frequent thing for us, dear church. You yourself and the people sitting next to you, you've either just come out of a time of testing, you're either in a time of testing right now, or you are about to be tested. Therefore, may we encourage one another to endure these tests by faith, knowing that our God, Jehovah Jireh, Will provide everything we need for life and salvation. He is our provider. Therefore, let us trust that the Lord will provide. For he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Let's pray.